This episode of the DJ Force X podcast is proudly sponsored by Fixed. Fixed is a fan and artist-friendly independent record label that specializes in hybrid electronic rock. It's home to the likes of Cell Dweller, Blue Starly, I Will Never Be The Same, Richie Nicks, The Algorithm, Voicians, CD Akira, and a whole bunch more. Check out their latest label sampler for just one dollar. At their official store, FixedStore.com. That's F-I-X-T-Store.com. Save 10% off your first order by using my coupon code FORCEX. That's F-O-R-C-E-X. They have loads of shirts, hoodies, stickers, posters, and many other accessories for all their artists. And this is available worldwide with fantastic international shipping rates to go with that. So head over to fixstore.com and check them out. And don't forget, use my coupon code FORCEX. Hello and welcome to the DJ Force X podcast, episode 40. Yes, uh, I interview Scott and Spencer from the band Make. Today, they are based out of Chapel Hill in North Carolina. Uh, they've just released a new album, which is out now, uh, called Pilgrimage of Loathing. It's on Accident Prone Records, and it's available on digital download today. And there is a vinyl coming. Uh, they also start their tour today as well, or Saturday, if you're listening to it on Saturday. Um, so check out their dates. Go to facebook.com forward slash the band make. Um, they're also on Twitter under the same handle as well. Uh, but yeah, go check them out if you like these kind of like doomy, prog, sludge, kind of atmospheric um, metal. Uh, then go check them out. It's, it's good stuff. It's a good album. Uh, their last album was really good as well. So check that out as well. Uh, it was released last year. So yeah, just a reminder, listen to my radio show on Tuesday nights at 11pm on TotalRock.com and Saturday nights at midnight East Coast time uh, on TheMix.fm. So yeah, if you could do that, that would be great. Also, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That would be awesome if you could do that. And I'll be giving shout outs to whoever does do it. If anyone out there wants to do it, please. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with Scott and Spencer of Make. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome to my show this week, I've got two members of the band Make. Uh, I have Scott, who is the guitarist, and I have Spencer, who is the bassist. Um, they both kind of do vocals, but Spencer's the main vocalist out of this group. So, um, yeah, welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you for doing this. Um, so how are, you, how are you today? Doing good. Yeah, doing really good. Getting uh, getting ready to head out on the road on Saturday morning and tying up uh, all you know just sort of all the loose ends there and feeling good. Nice, excellent, excellent. So, um, just to get a bit of background on you guys, uh, you came to my attention. It was probably I think it was about a year ago. Uh, I had Darren. He sent me um, the Golden Veil, mm-hmm. which was your album from last year, uh, which I really liked. It's um, like really heavy, very atmospheric. Um, word i was using it was like it's, it's got this real cold sound to it it's very quite hypnotic as well yeah that's and it kind of i i like that style of music um along with a bunch of other styles but if i'm sat there 
on my own, I can listen to that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lungfish <laughs> is one of my favorite bands and has been since I was in high school. <laughs> and that kind of, that repetitive, minimal, hypnotic thing has long been, you know, a, a goal, I guess a musical goal of ours, honing that. Um, yeah. I've always found that that was more intriguing and challenging to kind of impress with less mm. yeah sort of yeah let um it, i've always I'd, I'd never actually had never heard of uh lungfish until we started this band and scott turned uh turned me on to them they've since become one of my favorites but i kind of come from a similar spot just with having spent a lot of time uh, being into like ISIS and sleep and a little bit of the sort of like Godspeed Black Emperor post-rock stuff. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's something about that repetition as well that really um, for me personally, it, it it speaks a lot to um, modern life and it's kind of a, um, on on my end, I, I mean, there's a lot to it sort of like scientifically and emotionally, but I feel like it's a really great sort of means of capturing a lot of the like monotony that defines our overall existence and being able to kind of get it out in a cathartic way and like being able to sort of get like lost and totally immersed in uh, in something like that is really like it's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it does. It does. Uh, it reminded me of of like ISIS and um, Neurosis and bands of that that kind of ilk of that kind of like uh, doom, like repetitive, like you say. But it's um, kind of uh, like drone like riffing and things like that that kind of really like just take you in and send you on that journey. Yeah, <laughs> we actually had someone at a show years ago say, "What? How did they say it, Spencer? Something um, along the lines of uh, you guys." <laughs> oh, it wasn't hypnotic that that she said. Oh, it was it was that weird. Um, <laughs> it was something like she she said something about like almost falling asleep or something. She, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she she said something about us being hypnotic, and and it sounded like you know this was after a show. It sounded like we were about to be co- complimented. I guess it sort of was, but she was like, "Yeah, I had to leave." <laughs> <laughs> nice so yeah it's i gravitate towards that kind of music along with being a a dj like so i'm very much into my sort of electronic music right oh me too me too and it kind of i I see the similarities because it is like dance music is ultra repetitive yeah but it's Mm. a lot quicker yeah Um, i dude i uh at some point matt our previous drummer the drummer who was on the golden veil Mm -hmm. uh and trephine um, he and I both started listening to a lot of like, you know, everything from Detroit techno to, you know, modern house stuff. Um, you know, like the kind of stuff on, um, what, uh, like the modern love label, uh, all the way to just really dark, repetitive, um, sorry, one of my cats was standing directly over the phone. Um, <laughs> sorry. It, like really weird experimental stuff like the Hacks and Cloak and Demdike Stare. I was totally going to say Hacks and Cloak. Uh, too. And yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think intentionally, it, I don't know if it's worked its way into our writing style, but there's definitely an affinity 
you know, for that type <laughs> of music for those reasons. Yeah. yeah. They definitely like Scott and Matt. I, I don't know nearly as much about it as they do, but they got me turned on to it in a very big way. And there's a lot about a lot of electronic music that I've, I've been really appreciating lately. And it's like, yeah, who's to say like chicken versus egg? Like, you know, we've always been big on like repetition and that whole like sort of spaceman three kind of thing. But yeah. then like at the same time, like I, I feel like that I, there's an element and Spaceman 3 kind of did this in a way, but, like, there there is an element of repetition within electronic music that's, like, almost unattainable outside of uh, that that style, uh, unless you really work it. Yeah, um, it's it's so difficult to do organically. Yeah, yes. totally so difficult. But I don't know, I you know, it's it's a goal. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's, it sets a bar for us that we, like, hope to be able to meet. Yeah, it's, um, I, I always attain it to um, being a very tribal thing. Because um, if, mm. if you think of like very primitive music of just drums, dum da dum you know, primitive dancing drumming, I've I've always seen the dance scene, the electronic dance scene, like that because mm-hmm. there's that repetitiveness and everyone's dancing and being on whatever kind of drugs they're on or if they're just you know immersed in the moment. Right, and it's kind um, of a, a like a way of you know it, it's it's almost like a hallucinogen in that sort of like you know tune in drop out kind of thing where mm-hmm. you you're going to a place and, you know, I think a, a lot of people that, you know, there are a lot of rock people that shrug off dance music or, you know, even the most experimental intelligent version of, of dance music. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Richard D James of the world. Uh, but there's something that unless <laughs> I feel like unless you've been fucked up and have danced like that, <laughs> you know, you, you don't quite realize how, far out you're kind of going how far out you're taking yourself and i think you know people you know we live in a pretty awful world that's pretty awful all of the time you know yeah it's it's just you know it's an escape it's another escape yeah yeah Yeah. it's funny like on the other side of it too I, i feel like uh there's something really interesting about the sort of the pairing of like mdma and electronic music because because the two both have this kind of dual, uh, like sort of two-faced kind of thing where either they can be like big time, like pure party, um, like immerse in the moment kind of thing, or on the other side of it, uh, couldn't be like a sort of transcendent, like psychedelic experience almost in the sense that like, I, I feel like electronic music and even like a lot of electronic dance music kind of, um, it works within the same concept that even I think Lamont Young wrote about a long time ago, talking about like a, a single droning note and how if you listen to it for long enough, your ear starts to sort of break it down into sub frequencies and you hear these sort of minor variations and how the note is played, et cetera, et cetera. And like, you know, I'm heavily paraphrasing, but it almost kind of serves as like a Rorschach test for the ear in a lot of ways. And like that level of repetition, even with a with a beat or a particular theme, I think can kind of go there. And there's something really interesting about that to me. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of your your brain chemicals, even with help or without help, it 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 can um, it can transform completely um, the, what what you're hearing, even though on the surface it sounds relatively simple. Right. Um, your once your brain is tuned into or is in that mood, it just. Um, it flips almost and then you become part of it you can feel every like you say you can feel you can break it down every mm. part of just that one note yeah and, absolutely 
it's crazy because I've been, I've been a, I mean, I've been a DJ pretty much all my, well, since I was about 11, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. If I want to go way back. Yeah. Um, but I was, I started being like a club DJ around about my 20s. And um, it's, it's very different. Um, like, because I was in a rock band as well um, for mm-hmm. 10 years in between all that. But it, the scenes are, they're similar, but they're very, like you said, they're similar and they're different. There are people that just kind of shoo off dance music without having really listened to it but you, you know i'm not expecting them to listen to it but you know and there are some that have embraced that side of it and, mm. and it is it is very i i find it like i said before, like initially it's very it's a very tribal thing once you get that um sound and it's like you say uh, on the repetition side of things even with with your style of music it's very tribal in, in, yeah. in its in its rawness and um I think that's what spoke to me on that front. It was just that kind of, that level of, um, you know, I can sit there and I can listen to it. I can do stuff to it as well. You know, I was, <laughs> really, I was cleaning earlier and I had it on and it was my background to my cleaning. Um, going on to your new album, which is what I was listening to. Um, Pilgrimage of uh, Loathing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, which is out as of recording. This is going to be out on Friday, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it's available via digital and physical means. You've got a vinyl version coming out? The vinyl's right? coming. I think the test pressings are actually on their way to us right now. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it shouldn't be too long. Mm. Excellent. But the digital and the CD will be available. No CD. No uh, we've, we've had a little bit of trouble moving CDs as, you know, I mean, I think people have just... Bands have <laughs> been having increasing difficulty moving anything over the past few years. And, you know... Things like Spotify, which I even, you know, subscribe to. Yeah. I feel shame, <laughs> shameful in doing it, but, you know, it is the the changing, you know, uh, template for yeah. how we consume music, and it's, it's always changing, and CDs seem to have kind of suffered the most. Um, yeah. So, it's... you know, we, and, it, you know, without having a disposable you know, income, we just kind of figured that vinyl's doing a little bit better. It's more impressive to hold in your hands. There's, you know, it's more fun. Uh, you know, you've got a, a lot more to do with artwork. I feel like, uh, you know, and even as something as simple as holding the artwork as large as 12 by 12 in your hands, I, you know, I've always liked that since I was a kid. So yeah, digital be out on Friday and then uh, a little bit of waiting and the LP will be available soon. Nice. Nice. So it's, uh, yeah, I was going to say with vinyl at the moment is, is on a resurgence with a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of music being released on it. So um, yeah, the CD's kind of going the way of the vinyl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ironic, but um, if we live long enough, I'm sure CDs will get cool again. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Once, once people get past the, um, I don't know. I think it's going to take someone really like a culture of people wanting quality sounds from their streaming service. Yeah, when is that going to happen? I yeah. I don't know. When everyone gets super high speed internet, well, I guess. I, you know, honestly, I I don't worry too much. I feel like. Um, I I almost feel like iPods iPods mm. are directly responsible for the resurgence of vinyl. I think you know people just got tired of not holding something, and yeah. even if it is just you know, so every now and then I'll buy something, and the vinyl was you know 
it easily identified as having been cheaply made and you know you play it on your turntable and it doesn't quite sound as good some of the mid frequencies kind of fuzz out and yep. you know you'd be lying to yourself if you said well this is the best way to listen to this record and sometimes it just goes on the shelf like a trophy saying i supported this band and now i can listen to it you know however i want yeah. um but you know i i think I don't know how long, uh, you know, your average person can go without supporting the, the bands they like before, you know, their conscience starts to speak to them a little. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think it's getting the value for the money as well, because what, what initially I think happened with the MP3, um, it was touted as being cheaper than CDs. Right. Right. And, mm. then, and then it didn't turn out that way. The CDs right. and the MP3s were the same price and you weren't, you're not getting as much with the MP3s. You weren't getting the booklet. You weren't really getting the artwork and you weren't getting a physical ownership of the, of, of the music. Right. Um, whereas now with vinyl, I mean, it's a, it's about the price. Some CDs were depending on what you're going to buy. Mm. Um, if it's like a single really single like disc or a double disc, obviously the price goes up slightly, um, but you're getting value for your money in a product. I feel that's what people are sort of gravitating to now. Sure. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if I, I, I do think that there, you know, there's kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say it's limitless, but uh, there's more room to move in it to being creative with how you put the package together for vinyl. Mm. And, you know, I, I think there's, it, it's a really great way. I've always felt like as a consumer to interact with the band you know, like, oh, they cared enough to put this together. Let me, you know, let me rifle through it and see what there is to see. Yeah. There's also something, I mean, you know, I, I feel like most of the time, and I've, I've seen, I mean, definitely seen some bands stray from this, but, you know, with, with uh, you know, if you have a CD and an LP that have the same packaging, but the CDs is just, the same thing but smaller like truncated down to you know whatever the cd size is like five inches or whatever um it's like you know on the on if you're buying the lp you do i mean it's like you know scott was saying like you have this piece of art that you can hold in your hand and really examine and it's a it's it's a full-on package but with a cd like it's also small and like truncated and kind of like it it almost makes i mean I, I think a lot of people just like it's so small that it doesn't quite convey the gravity of most of the art if it's the same thing as lp anyway and most people are like well all i'm going to do is rip this onto my computer and then probably wind up losing the cd and then it'll be on all my digital devices anyway so like why even do that when i could just download the digital file and maybe digital artwork with it mm. yeah it's definitely a thing I've caught on to or just like heard a lot in conversation with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's strange how, it, how, how it goes. Well, I mean, cause the, like the cassettes kind of seen almost a little resurgence as well. Yeah. Um, which again, that, I mean, that's smaller, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so you're getting, you're getting even more, you know, you're getting a little booklet inside it still, but you know, you're not getting, I don't know. I, I, I still have a tape player. So yeah. I kind of like, you know, I don't, I gave my tape player away, uh, years ago and just have never reacquired one. Um, I, but I, I, I like it. I think it's kind of endearing that tapes have made a comeback. It's it, it, to me, it speaks to like a, um, you know, like a nostalgia trip to the, you know, DI, you know, people's, you know, the history of DIY, like tape trading and yeah. you know, 
stuff like that. I'd, I'd like that a lot. Yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. So back back to your album. Um, <laughs> it's it's obviously it's coming out. It's on uh, Accident Prone Records. Um, mm-hmm. How did the uh, relationship with them come up? So yeah, funny funny story. Um, this was right before Memorial Weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. and I got an email from Gary, who is accident prone, um, saying that he was just in town from Portland. I don't know why he was in town. We actually haven't even gone back and had that conversation. <laughs> I should ask him because I think it would make the story more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but for whatever reason, he was in Chapel Hill and he was wandering around and he came upon this really fantastic barcade uh, that some friends of ours uh, opened and run. It's called the Baxter. Uh, they've got, you know, the greatest selection of vintage arcade games oh, that I've ever seen in one space. It's, it's so fun. And, Anyway, so he just found himself there and t- was asking the door guy, you know, who are the who are the metal bands and punk bands from this area I should check out? And I guess the, the door guy said, us. <laughs> and he just kind of listed us first. And, and uh, you know, Gary went home and immediately checked us out and sent an email before he left for his Memorial Day vacation. And, you know, we somehow scrambled together with Darren, um, our publicist, and and got everything worked out because we had already had, you know, some exclusive uh, streams set up with Metal Hammer, I think it was, was the first one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we just quickly, you know, a, agreed on, on, a, on a contract and just, you know, a short run of vinyl. And, and we already kind of had the motion, everything in motion, um, so there wasn't much yeah. to do. But that's how it happened. A, a guy was in town and he talked to some other people and they mentioned us. Crazy. That's just game of chance, really, on that one. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And they've put out uh, a few bands themselves. Um, uh, Cattle de- Decapitation comes to mm. mind on them. Yep. Well. Yep. Yeah. There was something by Nadia. Yeah. Yeah. Aiden Bakers. So they've got they've got the right, um, you know, obviously the right uh, label to kind of push your kind of music. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, on the album, I mean, I'm just going to go on some of the tracks I really like. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, I, obviously, it's six tracks long. Um, I really love the opening track. Now, if I say this right, the Somnambulist. Sure, mm-hmm. right enough. Is that mm-hmm. right enough? What What is it? Yeah. Somnambulist. Somnambulist. Mm-hmm. Somn- sorry. Okay, cool. So my accent got annoying on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, I really like the way it's structured because you kind of got like goes kind of... Um, much like your sort of like previous album, but not so much. It was a lot heavier, this one, I feel. Right. Um, but it had that kind of ambient start to it, kicks in, goes heavy. And then you had that break in the middle of the album with uh, Two Hawks Fucking track, the kind of yeah. guitar. And then you went straight into uh, Human Garbage after that, which is the track that was out on some of the streams, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which I really like. It. I actually played it on my show the other night. So. Oh, right on. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, but the whole album's strong. Um like I, like I said, I listened to it from beginning to end. It was just uh, those couple of tracks really kind of like, you know, made me look up, see what track name it was kind of. Oh, that's thing. awesome. I, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned Two Hawks fucking, you know, we, it, it's been, um, so one of, to me, one of the greatest things that a band can do that maybe any artist can do is just put yourself in a situation where you don't know what's coming next. Mm. And so whenever we're in the studio, it's 
just as big of a deal to me that we get the tape rolling, so to speak. I mean, Pro Tools, whatever. But we get the <laughs> tape rolling, and we just play. And for however long until we feel like we're tapped out. Mm-hmm. And then later, uh, you know, I it, one of, to me, the most fun I can possibly have as a person on this earth is to be sitting in front of some music editing software and creating collages of sound based on improvisation. And we've kind of been doing that from the, from the beginning, um, you know, focusing more and more on that and getting more serious about it. Uh, but it's not everybody's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So I love when people love it because it is, it's very important to me. And also in the context of our records, we like, we like very much, uh, to consider our albums as a piece unto themselves. Mm. Um, it's not really about the tracks on the album as much as it is. How can these tracks tell a story and how best can we tell that story? <laughs> and what's the best way, you know, the, if we were the listener, how, like how, how can we wrap our head around it? And, and what's the best way to get that to happen? And it just really seemed like after those first two songs, that there was a really great chance to have time to let all of that just sink in. You know, do you want to think about what we just said? You know, the lyrics you just read, um, the, you know, the, the music itself, you know, let yourself cool down. And then, you know, if you've got the vinyl, you flip it over and you're kind of hit in the head with a, you know, just a, a, a complete cold open mm, with yeah. human garbage. Um, you know, and I, you know, again, I could listen to full albums of songs like that. So it's, you know, it, yeah. I also get that if you want that, you know, that's a good place. It's about the halfway mark. If you want to skip over it, go, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> But yeah, I just wanted to comment on that because yeah, no, it's it's not often that we get people singling out you know the, those sort of tracks. That yeah. we do. I mean, it's it, like I say. I mean, I think you touched on it when you were um, just chatting just then. But the, the, having the whole album as 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 one piece, mm-hmm. um, that's something I really like. With like, because that's something that's been lost for a while with a lot of bands. They're kind of putting out albums and they have their spot tracks on there that will go off and be the singles to get you know the promotional tracks and whatnot. Um, whereas the, the the actual art of creating an album, um, yeah, and that's is, I mean that's one of the reasons. Like personally speaking, like I I love vinyls still. Is that I mean I, I feel like a lot of that that sort of turn into like the singles. Right? I mean, of course, b- bands were putting out singles on vinyl before the the advent of the cassette tape or the CD. But uh, I feel like that the art of putting together a full on record, at least in the mainstream kind of went the way of vinyl for a while. And I, I think vinyl is, it, it's, you know, it's, it's constraints in terms of, time and format are really great for encouraging uh musicians who are considering pressing to it to make a full album piece sure and it's also harder for the person to find a song you know, yeah, like that, you have that, to, that's, that's you have to actually like, work for it like, you yeah. know just get to the next track you know you got to sit there and find the groove and drop it right and yeah mm. i remember doing that a lot um 
back back when I was using a lot more vinyl to DJ. Mm. And, uh, I was a scratch DJ for a bit, so I had to like I put tape on the records to find the right grooves and everything, so, <laughs> to find the right the right samples and everything that I needed. So mm. cool. So um, what are your plans currently going forward? I know you mentioned there you got a tour coming up, um, and that starts this weekend. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yep. How long is that for, and who are you going out with? Just about a week, uh, and we are support for uh, Dragged into Sunlight and Primitive Man. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And um, any plans after that? Like any other tours lined up or any other shows or anything? Uh, we're playing the Hopscotch Festival, which is in Raleigh. Uh, we'll be sharing the stage with Yob. Really excited about that. Um, no real plans beyond that. I mean, we'll have a CD release. I think Jay from Crowhurst is looking to come back in November, so we'll probably cool. do some more stuff with, with him. No, no tour plans per se Mm. you know uh i think as soon as we get back from this tour it's going to be you know back into uh the mindset of writing and you know just doing you know like we're always looking to to continue moving forward uh for a very very forward-thinking band but never in a way that we have plans exactly we just like to keep being in perpetual motion so you know, when we get back, we'll probably refrain from booking too much of our time away from writing and, and you know, just be on track to have another album out as soon as we can. Oh, yeah, cool. there, there are like a couple of sort of questionable things in the future, but not not solid enough really to, yeah, yeah to even bank on them. Yeah, because I mean, when I was listening to your stuff, I could I could visualize a music video on a couple of them. So I was wondering if that was a plan of anything, of just producing something. You know, visually. it... it, it it could be, uh, you know, Darren uh, will love that you asked that question because he's, <laughs> <always asking. laughs> he's always asking us to do that. And I'm always like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I actually have had one idea for a music video so far, but I, I feel like it's the kind of music video that, that we would love as a band and everybody else would be like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> with, with this, the, the phone. Yeah, phone the, in the pocket. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like leave a leave a cell phone in a pocket, recording video with the flash on for the duration of the song. Because oh. it look, it kind of look. It happened to me at practice one night, and it kind of looks like a weird intro to a video. Yeah. And so you could be sitting there watching it and just be like, "Wait, when is this gonna? Oh, it's not gonna end. Oh, okay." And at the very end, like whoever's got the phone in their pocket pulls it out and says something about like, "Ah, shit, it was recording," and then just like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, that's a good that's... idea. That's a really good idea." <laughs> Cool. <laughs> yeah, so you you may see that someday. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll look out for that one. It uh, certainly does sound interesting. So, cool. So, um, I got a couple of questions left, and then I'll let you guys get on with your day. Um, Sounds good. Kind of generic questions I ask everyone that come on the show. So, um, yeah. So I'm going to ask you both of you separately. Uh, your three top albums. The ones oh, that gosh. Have, like molded you into the musician or the person sure. that you are today. Okay, um, so the easiest one that comes right off the, you know, right out of my mouth is uh, Sound in Time by Lungfish. Um, And that's the album that they were touring on when I first saw them. I was 17 years old. They were opening for Fugazi. And it, it changed my life, even though it took about another year or two for me to get 
what the fuck they were doing, but it blew my, my 17 year old mind. And, you know, I, I've had that record since, and that has informed it really like it, it was once that band, once I got what they were doing, it completely changed my approach to, you know, just being like, you know, a, a kid in a room with a guitar trying to write his own material, but it completely changed how I saw music and how I saw composition. Nice. Um, then I would probably have to grab, you know, something by the old plagiarists, uh, you know, maybe Led Zeppelin too. um, you know, from a very young age, that album maybe taught me the most at how important the riff is, or at least how important the riff is to me. Um, and shit, man, uh, (laughs) let me go with the Richard D. James album, um, because that opened my mind to electronic music years and years ago when I was maybe a 20 year old. And it didn't just open my mind to electronic music, but it, it uh, just like lungfish, but maybe in the opposite direction opened my brain to the possibilities of what music even could be and how it could be composed and and how it could move around. I mean, in, He's um Aphex Twin as general, like along the lines is just fantastic like electronic artist. I've I've actually been I've actually seen him live once as well, which was a rarity. Oh and god. And I, it was crazy. <laughs> I feel like he might be the only live you know, I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack for this and there'll be people talking shit and maybe even <laughs> maybe even the guy sitting next to me, but I feel like he is maybe the only living genius in the world of music. I and you know, without being hyperbolic. I yeah. mean I really truly think that I mean, he, he is a genius be- on a level that no one else is on. He's certainly on another level. He's just um yeah, he's one of the people I've always kind of wanted to meet. I've like I've got a countless number of his albums. Yeah. And um I just found one the other day randomly when I was clearing out stuff the 26 mixes for cash album. Ugh. And um, <laughs> I'm about to put that on actually after this. You just reminded me I found it. So, Great. Um, but yeah, no, he's like across um, since I've got like analog, bu- analog bubble bath releases that he's <laughs> done and which is just like random, no artwork CDs with just a sticker saying volume three or whatever. Right. And um, you know, stuff like that. And it is, it's just on a different level from, from any other electric artist I listen to. Yeah. It's always kind of been there you know, away, like out of that sphere. So yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's, he is, he is just in a world of his own. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I'll let Spencer list his, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm having a hard time with it. Honestly, (laughs) Uh, really like the, the first, like the kind of number one that comes to mind is, uh, the bees made honey in the lion's skull by earth. Um, it's been an album that, I mean, I, I have, I would not be surprised, honestly, if I listened to it over a thousand times. Um, it's, I, I feel like it's a total masterwork in um, that sort of, I mean, like we were talking about with drone, the sort of combination of like minimalism, like, like an almost Baroque minimalist, like kind of record, which is like a contradiction in terms, but like, it's, it's, I, I feel like they really nail that. And, um, so that's that's way up there. Um, uh, another one would probably, I mean, for a lot of the same reasons, be um, Suns uh, Monoliths and Dimensions record. 
you know, I, I had liked them for a long time. Uh, I'd, I'd been a huge fan before that record came out. Uh, but when it came out, I really feel like they they set a new bar for heavy drone music and for metal overall. Um, it, just in the the sort of opening up of what they do into the realm of like having other instrumentation and guest vocalists and uh i mean not attila but they had like a, the vienna women's choir i think on that record and mm. um there's I, I i just feel like there's a, a ton going on there and there's something about that combination of minimalism and maximalism um that is like really astounding um, and beyond that, I mean, it's like, it's kind of hard to say, and I'm going to cheat a little bit. I mean, like, you know, in terms of like the, you know, getting me to where I am today, like, you know, any of black flags records from when I was a teenager, uh, sort of like setting me down this very punk rock route and realizing like, I have to do this with my life. And mm. Nutramilco tells in the airplane over the seas the same way. Um, and I feel like the, it's, a lot of uh, the Swans records, especially like the more recent stuff that helped me kind of put their older stuff into better context when they actually came back and sort of started doing it again. Yeah. Uh, were really interesting. As controversial as uh, Michael Jira is right now, I you know, feel strange saying that, but the, the music <laughs> itself has been really inspirational to me. So that's a total cheater approach to the question. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> You'd be surprised of how many musicians cheat on that question. So yeah. you're not I, alone. I'm so alone. tempted, but yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so what are your hobbies away from music? So when you're not in the band, you're not doing recording, writing, what, what do you do to relax hobbies, anything like that? Um, so I, uh, I, I guess the top, three things that you would find me doing when I'm not playing with my cats or playing metal, um, <laughs> or doing anything musical. Um, I am, uh, I am a lowly gamer. I, I, <laughs> I am an adult and I still like video games. Um, nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah, <laughs> um, so that, uh, and I, uh, as an ex English major dropout, uh, I, I read, I'm actually reading, uh, <laughs> I finished the infinite jest earlier this year and I went straight into some light reading with gravity's rainbow by Pinchon. Okay. I'm in the middle of that right now. Uh, and then I am a huge, huge cinephile. Uh, I, I, constantly watching uh films uh past and present um and for me i uh i I mean music really is like the biggest thing for me but aside from that really like i'll play like i I don't play every game that comes out kind of game but i I really like i mean there are franchises that i really like like scott turned me on to the fallout games but the sort of older ones and the newer ones and Um, and, uh, so I've been like really enjoying those. I actually just went back and, and playing Fallout New Vegas again, cause I can't afford an Xbox one yet to play Fallout four. Okay. Um, but, uh, do that. And I, over the last like year or two, I've been very, very slowly, um, I have like zero expertise, but I'm sort of trying, um, learning how to, uh, sort of understand the inner workings of amplifiers. Um, okay. And uh, it's it's something that like amps in general, uh, I, I feel like are an instrument unto themselves. Amps and speaker cabinets both, and 
Um, they're, they're things that totally fascinate me as machines. And so I've done a little bit of work on sort of learning, um, some repairs for amp stuff. I actually, uh, I have an amp of my own that a friend of mine is trying to help me fix that I blew up really badly, like right before the Kroger store. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so there, you know, been sort of like learning that in a lot of my spare time, like, you know, on my days off, I'll sit and like watch YouTube videos about like amp repair stuff or like amplifier building stuff. I'm like kind of aspiring to start just like building clones of old amps. I really uh, would like to build like an old Sun Model T clone or something like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a fun like working on it very, very slowly and incrementally, but it's been a lot of fun. Nice, nice. That's something my dad used to do. Uh, nice, no kidding. He was, uh, well, he was uh, before he passed away, he was a guitarist, obviously, when he was alive. <laughs> um, sorry, it was a while ago. Um, but yeah, in the uh, 60s, um, when he was sort of playing guitar a lot more in sort of groups and things, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, basically modifying his amplifier. Nice. And, um, he was always thinking, because he, he was an engineer, so he was, actually, mm-hmm. he was a jewelry maker as well, so he was very good with the spot welding and, yeah, no kidding. and things like that. So he, um, yeah, he modified a lot of his early um, guitar amps, and he said the same to me. He said that they're, they're part of, they're, they're a separate instrument, because each, yeah. each amp's going to sound different. Every speaker's going to sound different. Mm-hmm. Two speakers rarely sound exactly alike. Yeah, totally. And, and it's like, I mean, you know, even like a lot of, uh, a lot of amps out there, like, I mean, there are so many... Uh, like, you know, for example, like the, the Laney AOR or the, uh, the PV like VTM 120 or butcher and that, you know, they're all based off of like the Marshall JCM 800 circuit, but they all have like super distinct tonalities about them. And I think there's something really interesting about that. Yeah. yeah. And he said, yeah, it doesn't, you, know, you change the tubes in it, you change some of the, you know, wiring and it does, it just gives it different sounds. You know, he, yeah. he built into like, um, like his some of his early amps he built distortions into before no kidding you know that was sort of available mm. um by just sort of manipulating various parts of it and doing all yeah. the tests and yeah it was like stuff like that and and um yeah so that's really interesting like it's it's a lot of fun he showed me sort of briefly bits here and there when i was younger um mm. but yeah no it's a lot of fun it can be a lot of fun if you if you like tinkering with uh electronics and things so yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I've had a ton of fun doing it. And I mean, again, like no expertise at all. It's not the kind of thing where generally speaking, I could take someone's amp and, you know, just like fix it right up. But I've actually done a couple of those like really like simple repair things. And yeah, until it's been fun. Excellent. Excellent. And do you both play on Xbox? Uh, I don't. I'm I'm a PC gamer. PC gamer. Okay. I, I would be, but I don't have enough money to buy a PC and I've got uh, a Mac. Laptop. No, I was just wondering because I play on Xbox. Used to, ah. used to be PC many moons ago, but um, mm. again, it was just this constant having to update it all. So yeah. I yeah. kind of fell into the format of this thing doesn't need upgrading; it will just play the games. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, yeah. Uh, finally, uh, where can people reach you? Where's the the best best place to reach you online? Um, I, I guess you know the the Facebook page uh, has you know is maybe the best hub either that or the Bandcamp page um you know it's just uh the band make uh all together um you know if you googled facebook the band make uh, yeah. or you know Bandcamp, i can't think exactly what <laughs> rls are um but those two places you know will lead you to just about everywhere else you can find us mm. excellent excellent and um yeah that's it thank you very much
Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, we've come to the end of my questions. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, guys, thank you. Uh, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Spencer. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, for, thanks for a your, lot. For your time on this. Um, cool. Um, but to everyone, check out the new album, Pilgrimage of Loathing. Uh, it'll be out as of when this releases, it will be out. So I'm going to say out now <laughs> on Accident Prime Records. Um, and yeah, you can check out digital or the vinyl, which will be available soon. So cool. So again, yep. Thank you guys. Thank you for your time. And um, yeah, good luck with the album. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you. Cheers, man. Cool. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.